0: This afternoon I preach the word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Days 28, 29 and 30, page 542 and following in the book of praise and if you have that open in front of you we can refer to that as we go through what our Lord teaches us about the institution of the sacrament of Lord's Supper. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we know as a principle that the sacraments are means of grace. They assure us of promises that God has made and they have a a heaven toward earth direction. And then we confess, and you can see that in question and answer 77, that the sacrament of Lord's Supper that we celebrate in this church six times a year was instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. The reference in our catechism is to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, which refers to the meal that Jesus had with his disciples. It was a Passover meal, and after that he said these words of institution. And in that connection, I preach you the gospel that Christ fulfilled the Passover to give us the Lord's Supper. The first thing we need to see is the link to the Passover, the lessons from the Passover, and then the limitations of the Passover. As you look at 1 Corinthians 11 or Matthew 26, when our Lord Jesus was celebrating Passover and then he instituted the, the Lord's Supper, he didn't institute the Lord's Supper out of the blue. He didn't come to establish a new religion But rather he came to fulfill all the laws and ceremonies of the Old Testament which were announcing and anticipating his coming. And as we consider the meaning of the Lord's Supper, we should not ignore that Jesus instituted it when he was celebrating the Passover with his disciples. This wasn't just when it happened to come up or this wasn't timing that was determined by the the, the Jewish plots to, to kill him. And we know that it wasn't just something that happened at the same time, because in his life, Jesus often talked about his time, which had not yet come. And then in Matthew 26, verse 18, he said, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Our Lord deliberately chose to institute the sacrament of Lord's Supper in connection with the Passover celebration. And we might ask, well, why did Jesus connect the Lord's Supper to Passover and not to, let's say, the fellowship offering, which ended with a meal with everybody together? Why is it important to connect the Lord's Supper to the sacrifice of the Passover lamb or goat and not with other sin or guilt offerings like they offered up on the Day of Atonement, for example, Is it important that the Lord's Supper points us to a sacrifice related to atonement and not to one of the other sacrifices, like the whole burnt offering, which was an expression of complete dedication of the believer to the Lord? What is the unique gospel of the Passover that we cannot find in the other ceremonies? And then when we think about our answers to these questions, You'll see that the first unique thing about the Passover that we learn from reading Exodus 12 is its connection to a particular moment in the history of Revelation, a moment of Exodus that marked a definitive separation of the people of God from the hostile world around them. And at the same time, it was a moment when the people of God were were separated from this world and re-established as God's covenant people. Believers and their children seated at the table with them. The Passover celebration that was instituted as a perpetual ordinance, uh, something that had to be kept on for a long time, it was a meal that marked that moment in the history of redemption when God set his people apart, it's a moment that's so central in the church that every single Sunday we mention that moment in, in the prologue, in the preamble to the Ten Commandments. That's when the Passover meal was instituted. And looking forward, the Passover meal confirmed that God was in the process of fulfilling the promise of the son from the woman, who would crush the serpent and free them from his bondage forever this theme of a covenant people distinguished from the world made the passover unique among the other ceremonies now the second unique ca- characteristic of the passover that made it stand out from the other ceremonies and sacrifices was that it combined an atonement sacrifice together with a covenant meal in which everybody ate of the meat of that lamb of sacrifice as a fixed rule. Although there were sin offerings on their own offered up on many occasions, and of those sin offerings, the priests and their families could eat some of the meat as, as a tithe in those meals that the rest of the congregation was not involved in eating the meat of the sacrifice the same way we can find other examples in the old testament of of times when god's people sat together for a meal together and these meals were hosted by the worshiper to express thankfulness to god for the joy of of harvest or or first fruits or other blessings like the like the birth of a child or maybe like a thanksgiving meal but these meals were different from the passover because they were not as closely connected to the atonement sacrifice. There was no blood painted on the doorposts. And they did not express their their unity with the lamb that they did in the Passover. Only the Passover combined an atoning sacrifice with a meal that signified participation in the blood of the Lamb for everybody who belonged in the covenant people. It was a very unique message that our Lord Jesus revealed that was intended to prepare our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper. The next thing to notice is that unlike other sin and guilt offerings that offered that differed according to one's responsibility in the church. So a high priest had to offer one kind of animal and and a ruler another kind. And they differed according to the, the size of the offense that was committed. So there was different levels of retribution in the guilt offerings. And they differed based on the wealth of the worshiper, so the poor people, could offer up a turtle dove instead of a, a lamb or a goat or a bull. And, the, and all these other uh, guilt offerings also differed where they were offered. It had to be done in the temple. The Passover was always a small uh, flock animal, a lamb or a goat, with no bones broken, that was connected to the households, the covenant aspect, so that it could be celebrated even if there was no temple tabernacle around. The Passover always looked the same, for there was no other way for it to be done. When the Passover was celebrated faithfully, it would invariably lead the believers right into the fulfillment which Christ announced when he was there eating Passover for the last time with his disciples and offered to give his own body in the place of the Lamb. Now, although we know that Christ fulfilled all the Old Testament uh, offices and sacrifices and feasts, he fulfilled each of these sacrifices and offices and feasts with a different action, with something different that he did. And therefore we have to be careful not to just blend everything together. Since Jesus purposefully linked the Lord's Supper to the Passover, In distinction from the other feasts and sacrifices, the Passover must serve as the background we use when we explain the significance of the Lord's Supper. Passover and Lord's Supper are not identical because the ceremonies and the symbols of the law have ceased with the coming of Christ and all the shadows have been fulfilled. However, the truth and the substance of the Passover remain for us in Christ in whom they are fulfilled. That's what we say in Article 25 of the Belgic Confession. And so there's a line of truth and substance of revelation in the Passover and the truth and the substance of the Lord's Supper. And so when we look at the Passover, we can see some lessons to help us understand what we're doing in the Lord's Supper. Those who celebrate the Lord's Supper... Are able to experience the same revelation about God's sovereign, gracious intervention and deliverance that those who celebrated, that as those who sat around their tables at the Passover meals, the Passover meal commemorated the final step of God's battle to preserve His people from the hard-hearted Egyptians who served the devil in oppressing God's people. And we, with the Lord's Supper, we celebrate Christ's declaration that He has destroyed all His enemies, His and our enemies. And He could say, my work is finished. It is finished. John 19, verse 30. And so when we're there celebrating the Lord's Supper, we can bring in this lesson from the Passover by remembering that we are eating this meal under the protection of God who has reached down to shield his church from the darkness of the evil one through his firstborn son. And so when we take the catechism in our hand again and, and we look at Lord's Day, uh, uh, seven, or Lord's Day 28, question and answer 75, you can see how we repeatedly speak of Christ's work for me. In this way, it's answer 75, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth, The bread and the cup of the Lord, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. We see that celebration of the Passover deliverance promise as we receive nourishment in the wilderness from the true manna from heaven, who is Christ. Those who celebrate the Lord's Supper today are called to the same repentance from their sins and complete trust that God will pass over their sins and forgive them as those who used to celebrate the pas- Passover. That's a second lesson we see. Again, unlike the burnt offerings and the other connected grain and drink and incense offerings, the Lord's Supper is not an expression of our dedication to God, but it is a revelation of God's decision to graciously have the angel of death and punishment pass over people who actually deserve to die. Have that thought in your mind when you're participating in the Lord's Supper. and We remember that in solemn silence the holy justice of God whose wrath passes over us only because we have confessed our sins and hidden ourselves in Christ, His Son, by faith. And so we confess that this attitude befits believers in question and answer 81 and then a little bit in 82 as well. Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins and yet trust that these are forgiven them and that the remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and amend their life. But hypocrites and those who do not repent eat and drink judgment upon themselves." And the second as well, the question 82 are those to be admitted to the Lord's Supper who by their confession and life show that they are unbelieving and ungodly? And the answer is no. As we partake in the Lord's Supper, we can identify in that moment, we can think about the attitude of the, the believers who were huddled, hushed, huddled and hushed in their households separated from the, the homes of those weeping people around them who had been punished by the angel of death. As you eat the Lord's Supper, you can see yourself also there in your household together with believers saved by grace alone. Well, the punishment is happening, the judgment is happening around you. And then you will experience the joy of knowing that God has shown mercy to us Through the blood of the Lamb of God. And that too connects us to the Passover. Those who celebrated the Passover and those who celebrate the Lord's Supper are able to hear the same gospel. That the blood of one Lamb was sufficient to redeem the lives of all who believed in Him in every household. Whereas the other sin offerings called for bigger and smaller offerings according to a person's responsibility, the Passover brought everyone who believed together under the same kind of sacrifice. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we can bring in this lesson from Passover by remembering Christ's sacrifice offered up once for all, that it's sufficient. For the lie to redeem the lives of all who believe in him. John called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we declare he is sufficient for everyone who believes in him. And all the eyes of all turn to Christ's one sacrifice offered on the cross. For there is only one body offered for us. And one Redeemer's blood poured out for us. And we see that in question and answer 79. He wants to teach us by his supper that as bread and wine sustain us in this temporal life so his crucified body and shed blood are true food and drink for our souls to eternal life. There's no longer any need for another sacrifice. There's nothing more we need to do or to add to Christ's work in order to be saved from God's wrath. See the Lord's Supper from the perspective of those who were in their homes when the angel of death was was passing over. The work had been done. Our celebration of the Lord's Supper is not then a reenactment or a repetition of Christ's death as if he needed to be sacrificed repeatedly as if he wasn't in heaven in his true body right now. And so we confess that in in question and answer 78, that the bread and the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself, although it is called Christ's body in keeping with the nature and usage of sacraments. We also confess this in the second part of answer 80, that the, living, that the Mass teaches that the living and the dead do not have forgiveness of sins through the suffering of Christ unless he is still offered for them daily by the priests. And second, the Mass teaches that Christ is bodily present in the form of bread and wine and there is to be worshipped. Therefore, the Mass is basically nothing but a denial of the one sacrifice and suffering of Jesus Christ and an accursed idolatry. It's not... repetition it never was a repetition or a reenactment of the Passover but this celebration is an expression of our desire to be a part of what Christ has already accomplished to share in all the benefits of his death as we see in the first part of answer 80 the Lord's Supper testifies to us first that we have complete forgiveness of all our sins Through the one sacrifice of jesus christ which he himself accomplished on the cross once for all and second that through the holy spirit we are grafted into christ who with his true body is now in heaven at the right hand of the father and this is where he wants to be worshipped both the passover and the lord's supper were celebrated in the context of coven- the covenant of grace and fellowship. It wasn't an individual act of worship. That's why we confess in artic- or answer 82 that if we disobey the Lord and how we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the covenant of God is profaned. His wrath is kindled against the whole congregation. And so we bring this lesson of the Passover, the covenant aspect into our minds when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we see that there are other people at the table with us, that, we, that the, the sacrament leads us to fervent love of our brothers and sisters in the covenant. The Lord's Supper form refers to Paul's statement that we read in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread It's emphasizing that the covenant and, and, the, and, and the brotherly love aspect of the Lord's Supper that we already learned from the Passover. And finally, we note that both the Passover and the Lord's Supper revolve around a meal of participation that signifies and seals the believer's union with the Lamb. For us in Lord's Supper... That lamb is union with Christ. And so in both the Passover and Lord's Supper, we can use the wording of question and answer 75 with the as surely as, so surely did Christ offer himself language. And we can have no doubt like we confess together in in. Answer 76, that we are united more and more to Christ's sacred body through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us. Which we repeat again in answer 79, the second part, that through the working of the Holy Spirit we share in his true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of him. That all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had paid for our sins. This aspect of participation in the sacrifice was a fundamental part of the Passover celebration and it's key to understanding what's happening in the Lord's Supper celebration. In fact, when young people are asked about what the Lord's Supper represents... What does it sign and and signify? They'll tell you the answer. They'll say it signifies our union with Christ. That we read about in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Christ made the promise that as surely as we eat the bread and drink the wine, He is nourishing and refreshing believers with His body and blood. He brings new believers into new life with Him. The promise given in our baptisms dunk into death To be cleansed there with the blood of Christ and then raised up is taken hold of when we signify our unity with Christ in His death and resurrection by eating the bread and the wine of the sacrament. We are participating in the sacrament. We are participating in the work of Jesus Christ that is finished for us. And He is so near to us We see in Galatians 2 verse 20 that He lives in us. We say He has become the true food and drink for our souls to eternal life. This major change in our relationship to God through Jesus Christ lifts us beyond the limitations of the Passover. Because although the Passover teaches us many lessons about how to see the sacrament of Lord's Supper, the two celebrations are very different because Christ has come. See, the limitations of the Passover, the Lord Jesus made it clear to the church that although the Lord's Supper is related to the Passover, they are not identical. You can't just take everything you know about the Passover and say we need to do the same thing in the Lord's Supper. He was instituting a new sacrament for the church that was to be was only able to be celebrated because of the work that he accomplished on the cross and from rising up from the grave. And the relationship between the Passover and the Lord's Supper is the relationship between a promise and its fulfillment. There were limitations to the comfort provided by the Passover. And Paul touches on this when he points out at the beginning part of 1 Corinthians 10 that there were many who partook of the signs of Christ around them that yet died in the wilderness in their unbelief. Although the Passover assured those who participated that they were in the right place, that they were in the, the place where God was bringing salvation, it was at the same time a cry for a meal that could connect believers to the perfect sacrifice that completely and definitively delivered them not just from Egypt and oppression, but from sin itself. And since the Passover was a promise, it was similar in character to circumcision, in that it was celebrated by all believers and their households who were waiting in the place of God's salvation for the yet unrealized fulfillment in Christ. The limitation of the Passover was that it promised reconciliation in the covenant of grace, but it did not supply the Christ who accomplished it. The Passover was for believers and their households, the covenant of grace, the Lord's Supper was instituted only for baptized members of the covenant who proved their election from eternity in the public profession of their faith. And so although the people in the Old Testament could share in the promises signified in the Passover and yet be idolaters who perished in the desert for their unbelief, Those who truly participate in the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner simply are not and cannot be at the same time participants with demons. Paul says you can't have both covenant children who eat the symbols of the body of Christ with unbelieving or unrepentant hearts actually are blaspheming against God and provoking Him to anger if they Claim the reconciliation that's promised in the Lord's Supper, that Christ ordained only for believers. And you see why it's so important then to examine your heart before you participate, not to be a liar, not to provoke the Lord to anger. The Lord Jesus made this very clear when he taught us that the Lord's Supper is a sign and seal of the new covenant in his blood the old covenant that was accompanied by the blood of animals Exodus 24 verse 8 led the hearts of believers to look forward to the new covenant that was announced by the prophets in which the Lord would fulfill the promises of the forgiveness of sins and of of all unrighteousness of the remnant of his people Jeremiah 31 verse 34 And then when Jesus came, He announced that His blood shed on the cross would make the new covenant of reconciliation with God possible. And then, having made that way open, He invited all believers, everyone who was united to Him by true faith, to take and eat and drink so that we might receive assurance not just that we belong to the people of God who would bring deliverance through, from the evil one through the blood of a substitute sacrifice, but that we might have assurance that the Holy Spirit who gives faith brought us together and united us to our Savior Jesus Christ who said, it is finished. So that we can come together and hear that as sh- certainly as we are Eating a piece of bread and drinking some wine, that we may be assured of the complete forgiveness of all your sins. Those are powerful words to be able to say, powerful words to hear. As certainly as the bread and the wine are consumed, so certainly are our sins forgiven. That is a promise only found in the sacrament of Lord's Supper, in the new covenant, in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have real spiritual union with Christ. We confess that that although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, it's the end of 76, we we are flesh of His flesh. We are bone of His bones. That's the language of a husband and, and a wife from Genesis. We, we forever live and are governed by one spirit as members of our bodies are by one soul. He dwells in the hearts of believers. He lifts us up to, to see the, the glory of His victory already in this life. He lifts us up to, to look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb we mention also in the form for the celebration of Lord's Supper, in terms of the forgiveness of our sins and peace with God who dwells in our hearts, who fills the universe. New covenant believers united to Jesus Christ can know that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which has been guaranteed by the blood of Christ. That blood that centered so prominently in the Passover, has been shed once for all by the Son of God so that everyone who believes in Him can celebrate redemption with a meal. Christ took the sacrifice and He gave us the meal of participation. Let us thank the Lord for uniting us in the broken bread that unites us to Christ, the bread eternal. Amen. And we'll thank the Lord for this union in him, in the bread of life, by singing together hymn 61, standing if you're able to stand.